Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the places where you can find fine podcast content. You can, for some reason, find Kyle and I. You can also connect with us on social media at LonghornPod and shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's been singing Smash Mouth since Saturday night, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You say go. Go. You'll never know if you don't glow. Glow? glow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Texas lost to the back streets, as we talked about in our last pod. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Connor Ass Alley or otherwise. We're here to talk about when Texas turns it all around, baby. This is the, the turning point in the program. Peak alignment this week. I'm jacked up. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid sunshine pumping. I'm really trying. Let's see how long this lasts. Uh, it's going to last for another, uh, let's go and say four minutes because we've got to set this up. <laughs> uh, so Texas heading up I-35 to take on their chief in-state rival, the Baylor Bears. Uh, I don't I don't know why. Maybe just because I'm jealous of what Matt Rule is doing. Baylor's 9-1 on the season, 6-1 and one in conference play. Uh, they gave up the least secure score in all of football history, a 28-3 to lead to the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, little did you know that Arthur Blank went to uh, Baylor University. He did not, but he also uh, is the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, who gave up a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. Never heard so, of it. So, Texas opens up as a five-point underdog against the Baylor Bears. Kyle, I don't, I don't know where to start because – this is the type of game that because Texas has been so bad, so disappointing this year that they're going to come out and play like their hair is on fire and win by three scores. Like that's how dumb this game could be. They also could come out completely flat and get the blows door off the blows down. The doors blown off of them. Uh, Easy and lose for you to 35 say. to nothing. Yeah. We we've said before in, in this podcast, I think I triviaed you. This is Texas's most played series and it's even more egregious than, than the, the record against A&M. It's 78, four and 26. Uh, get it. Baylor's been something different, but remember there was, um, I believe it was, 2015 or 20 yeah 2015 I think um when they were a top 10 team they came in 6 and 0 um maybe 2016 actually they came in 6 and 0 and uh UT beat them and they lost the rest of their games that season it literally derailed Baylor like on their way down um and then all of a sudden Matt Rule comes and rescues everything so why not us why not knock them from their you know their 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 haunches here as you know the Let's say after SMU, obviously second best team in the state. Um, that's kind of, no, that's definitely a joke. Baylor's like a they're they're unbelievably a top probably 12, 13 team in the season. Now they could have easily lost four games, and UT um, could have won three games that they didn't. So I mean, it's it's really really hard to play that sliding doors game. But Baylor's a good football team, regardless of how you slice it. 
they're a good football team. We're going to get into some of the specifics of that. Um, but this would be a marquee win for this Longhorn team. This would change a lot of the narrative. You beat Kansas State, who was ranked great. Like, you you, you beat a LaTeX team that's the best in a bad conference. Cool. That's, that's a good win. You got over Oklahoma State, who, you know, though inconsistent, is a ranked team now and, and, and is, a, is a good team, a talented team for sure. But this would be the signature win um, of the season that, that I think is pretty badly needed. And it's a crazy scenario that, that that's the case. You wouldn't have believed that, I don't think, um, at the beginning of the season or especially last year when this Baylor team was 1-11. But, I mean, this will say a lot about the character of Texas, about the coaching staff, about Tom Herman, about all the coaches all the way down beneath him because Texas really truly had their vision set and talked about it they had hashtag alignment on it, but this was a Big 12 title year. They were going to play for that. They were going to win every game leading up to that, 1-0 each week until they got there, and they were going to bring it home. And now that's pretty much, for the most part, unless craziness ensues, gone. So do they still have pride? Do they show up and play for the name on the front of their chest instead of the back of their chest? Do they play for the T-E-X-A-S, for the burn orange, for the history, for the, the pageantry, the fans, what it stands for, and for the future, for laying the foundation for seasons to come? Do they get up and, 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 and get off the mat and, and wipe the blood off their mouth where they got punched and actually come out and play? And I think that's going to be the the big test for both teams, really. If Can Texas rebound from an ugly loss? And is Baylor going to let one loss turn into two, right? And yeah. I hope for that second one to happen. Uh, because, again, giving up a 28-3 to lead and losing uh, the way that they did, throwing Charlie Brewer, throwing a, a interception that's fairly uncharacteristic for him. The guy only has five on the year. But that, that Baylor offense is, is I think, going to be the differentiator for the game. And so that's where we'll start. Averaging nearly 35 points per game, 443 yards per game. Most of that coming through the air with 236, passing 180.7 rushing. But again, that offense dried up in the second half. Alex Grinch seemed to have their number. They didn't score in the second half against OU um, after scoring a ridiculous number of points. I think it was with 31 points or something in the first half of the game, just boat racing uh, OU. And, and then oh, they Grinch dialed something up at halftime, figured out what was going on, and then Baylor couldn't do anything in that second half. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Is there an offensive hangover? Can Todd Orlando take something that from what Alex Grinch did to this Baylor team uh, and figure out how, we can, how Texas can apply that with the athletes that they have? Uh, you, you would think so. I mean, I mean, you have to think that Todd Orlando, again, is energized off his defense playing a little better, is energized off the fact that it looked like he might be looking for houses uh, or to put his on the market a couple weeks ago and, and hopefully, you know, can use this to springboard, saw something in that, can use this to show, hey, guys, <laughs> remember that I am a fantastic coach, a coordinator, uh, a guy who's ready really for the head coaching job. I mean, I think there's a lot for him to prove. And I think you're right that there was a template laid there. Charlie Brewer in the first half looked unbelievable. And in the second half looked beatable. You know, I, I think he looked like a kid who doesn't get an offer from, you know, his local uh, college that he had family members who played. I don't know if you knew that UT didn't offer Charlie Brewer, but um, yeah, <laughs> Uh, I got a story for you about some former Longhorns and their dads being roommates. I'll tell you after the podcast. Anyways, but, uh, no, you know, it, it, this is a chance for Texas 
defense. This is a chance for Todd Orlando. This is a chance for that much maligned secondary. This is really a chance uh, for the, you know, the pass rushers in the linebacker group or, or someone on that defensive line. This is a chance for someone to step up and, and, and say, not now, not us. We, we are, we are changing the narrative on this season and on this team. And we're not going to be, you know, any of these historically worst lists that you try to put us on. Um, this is going to be something different. And again, if they can hold Baylor to the 23 type points that they were able to Iowa state, I feel maybe I'm in a doofus and we'll talk about our offense, but I feel confident that if they can have that performance again, giving up less than four scores that, the offense and the Texas Longhorn football team with the talent on it should have every chance to win this game. And I think the the matchup that we have to watch, you know Brewer's going to get his, but is is Texas able to do something against that dynamic duo that Baylor has a, at receiver of Denzel Mims and Tyquan Thornton? Because the Big 12 is a, is a receiver-heavy league at the top, but really – I'm trying to think of the last, I guess, uh, Ragor at, at TCU had a big explosive play, but Texas really hasn't faced a top tier receiver like that week in and week out. It seems like they've had it spread out. So can, does Texas have the bodies even on defense to match up with those two guys? Denzel Mims, one of the best receivers in the country. And, and he's really, uh, it's crazy to think that We'll go and say it. If you play all nine other Big 12 teams, that seven of those guys are pro- would probably be like the number one receiver in any other conference, right? So, like the fact that to, you have to play all of those guys each and every week is ridiculous. So, uh, Mims and Thornton are, are two guys that I really want to see that matchup and kind of how that shakes itself out. Uh, Baylor also is super weirdly enough. They have two running backs that basically have the same statistical output. Uh, John Lovett. 86 attempts, 551 yards, four touchdowns. Jamichael Hasty, best running back name in the country. 82 attempts, 519 yards, four touchdowns. So that is a um, the those guys are consistent at, at, at which is good because Texas has really focused on either shutting down the run or shutting down the pass. They haven't really had a game where they were able to play a team that was balanced and and so I think that's going to be an interesting thing is can Orlando scheme up something that can really shut down a balanced attack from the Baylor Bears yeah and, and I and I think Bay, uh, Baylor is going to have Denzel Mims playing and this is you know for him when he looks at it this is a chance to play the Texas D and do one of those classic performances that helps him get drafted so I think there is a lot of guys on this Baylor you know offense looking at that Texas defense and the yards they've given up um, just through the season but even in, in their better performances the past couple of weeks and thinking about hey that's that looks nice on a highlight reel when there's a burn orange guy who I'm beating um, so I think it really is up to uh, all of these these secondary to step up and play all of the linebackers to to you know change the narrative uh, I, I really think I'm excited to see who in the secondary steps up Stearns another week uh, back from injury hopefully more healthy Brandon Jones with you know a limited number of games remaining in his career has something to prove and something to say I, I just get the feeling that someone's going to step up here I think uh, I do think Jalen Jalen Green is, is, is this is this just feels to me maybe it's because his last name's Green but this just feels to me like a a game where he comes in and, and, and shows why he was you know kind of the hyped of the cornerbacks uh, sadly Anthony Cook looked really good before going out last game so we'll see but I, I really think um, someone in that that green Jones Stearns kind of mold maybe I'm not maybe I'm not thinking of the right one maybe it's overshown getting a sack I don't know I, I'm ready for a, a wow play from that really vaunted 
tons of five-star recruits secondary. I'm ready to see it in action, and, and it feels like this should be the game where, where they're healthy enough, they have a little bit of confidence and momentum, and they make they make a play, they make a step. I'm I'm I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm feeling just a tinge in my belly of optimism. You know who it's going to be, Kyle? It's going to be the guy who leads the team in interceptions, Deshaun Jameson, who had a, who had one against Iowa State, nearly had two against Iowa State, and one kind of bounced uh, bounced off of his hands. That was uh, and that honestly would have been a huge uh, differentiator. That game would have swung in in the different direction. I think if you're looking for a guy to make a, a play in the secondary, Jamison's a guy who's just kind of a dog. He still has a lot of work to do on his fundamentals. I'll go and mm-hmm. say that. Like mm-hmm. he as as a coverage corner, there's room for improvement, but dude's only two years removed from being in the Texas high school playoffs, right? So yeah. he's got some room to improve. He's got a lot of ability. He's got a high upside and he's athletic enough for when he does, when he's a little bit out of position, he's able to make a big athletic play. We've seen him jump in and take the balls away from guys. So I really do. I'm really curious to see what he's able to do. Stearns has gone without an interception all year. So maybe he's a guy that is going to uh, break the stack sheet and uh, kind of break the seal after setting freshman records a year ago. And so I think the other thing we have to talk about and is is the number of sacks. Baylor's averaging giving up three sacks a game, which is a big, big number. So I'm curious to see um, how Texas or if Texas can take advantage of that because, again, they haven't been super impressive at pressuring the quarterback. They haven't been super impressive um, at sacking the quarterback. And so I really want to see if that's something that Texas is able to do. They're only averaging well, – I've got to look at their per game. Uh, but I think it's, it's right about that same – it's like what three sack or they're no they're averaging one point seven sacks a game so uh, they they need to and that's floated by for some reason uh, four sacks against LSU somehow they managed four sacks against the best team they've played all year yeah Texas is last in the Big Twelve in sacks per game they are uh, that has not been a strength but again I just feel like there is still some pride in this Texas team enough to say, you know, I don't care if they're good or not. They're still Baylor. Um, so come out and just bully those offensive linemen. Uh, those bully the Baylor bears. I'm testing my, uh, my uh, plosives here. Yeah. My pop filter plosive test here. Um, but no, I, I'd like to see that. I would love to see three sacks in this game with, with, you know, a defensive line stepping up. But again, whether it's, it's getting pressure on Brewer, harrying him, putting him on the ground or at least getting him, you know, to, to put the ball up and letting our secondary make a play. Um, I feel like our defense is in, is we're in for a defensive game and, and feel free to tweet at me and, and point out cold takes expose me when I'm absolutely wrong and we give up 600 yards. But I feel like, I feel like, I feel like they're ready to, to turn a bit of a corner. Go ahead and give up 600 yards as long as you only give up 28 points. Cause that's great. Uh, Baylor on defense has been good, but I feel like their average is floated by playing some of the biggest barn burners in Big 12 history, uh, giving up 20.5 points per game, uh, 356 yards per game, most of that on through the air, again, 219 passing. But they gave up 24 unanswered points and 17 in the fourth quarter against OU. Uh, so some of that is, again, you've got to take that with a grain of salt. But I think they're going to be without Colin Johnson. It looks like based upon uh, Tom Herman's Monday press conference, we haven't gotten the, uh, the late week 
uh, update, but he basically said on Monday that it'd be highly unlikely that he'd play this week. But in spite of missing Colin Johnson, I really, I really want to see Texas open up and go four wides. Marcus Washington, a guy with a high ceiling and probably a long career at Texas, got his first start against Iowa State. Malcolm Epps did show up on the stat sheet with that go-ahead touchdown. Uh, you've got. I, if I don't want to see John Burt out there, I'm sorry, he's a senior, I know, but like. A dude couldn't catch rainwater in a bucket at this point in his career. Uh, so I like again, give me like a an Epps Eagles Washington Duvernay package, and and I'm really happy with that. So spread the ball out, press the advantage. Hopefully you can get something going on the ground, and really try to try to make this Baylor a defense play reactively. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's a great point, and I just wanted to go back to you know when you talked about Baylor's defense, they are good. They 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 choke a bit of life out of the game, but they are also floated by playing Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice for their out of conference. That qualifies for one of like the five, and I'm not exaggerating here. That's an SEC non conference schedule. True, truly, that makes Arkansas blush for for how uh, how easy that is. You know, that is that is truly like one of the bottom five toughest strengths of schedules. Um, in the country. So, you know, that, that definitely helps. They caught a Spencer Sanders off game when he had 160 yards, you know, versus any given week where Spencer Sanders could account for 400 yards. So, um, yes, it is a good defense, but I do not think that they are the best defense in the big 12. I don't think they are the best defense that Texas has played. Um, they have a chance to slow this game down. This could be an under where it's a, you know, a 14 to 20, final score or something like that because that's how they seem to like to play I mean they they SEC'd the heck out of TCU in a in a field goal fiesta um but I think it's just like they just bring the bad and, and infect other big 12 offenses uh with it but I, I truly think that from a Texas perspective looking at this that um I think that they can take, and this is a weird thing to say, they could take the momentum that OU left with just that crazy comeback and putting Baylor's defense on their heels and hopefully get a get a turnaround, get a change from where they Texas left with a just real nasty taste in their mouth and not getting a chance to get another shot at Iowa State um, in, you know, moving the ball finally and, and, and you know, knowing some things that worked after really Kansas State executing a, a, a phenomenal game plan, having some regression. So they, they have some things to prove. They're going to come out hair on fire. Um, I, I really, truly think that um, – I think that there are some seams that can be exploited here. I think if Texas uses that four-receiver package, like you said, and, and get, some, get some skill guys out there, I mean, let's hope Jake Smith – is is completely healthy and ready to go. I don't he didn't play a lot last week, but if he can get uh, something contributing there, we saw what he could do earlier in the season. Though he's had kind of a, a regression to the mean. Um, Brennan Eagles kind of the way he played last week and and is ready to step up if Colin Johnson can't play. Is ready to step up and be a reliable two that gives Sam two options that he knows he can count on. Hopefully, no drops, but just has the freakish athleticism to to make that a an item and, and i think if again they can exploit where they have size and speed like we thought they would all year and, and and go four wide and get their you know playmakers out there but also run the football like they they need to really focus on reestablishing that identity letting this offensive line feel good about themselves again by pushing some people around um you know let let parker braun kind of re-up his draft status which has not been soaring as of late but really started off pretty well when he got here um you know uh, let's 
let's try to bully some people in Smash Mouth a little. Like I talked about our defensive line bullying the Baylor Bears alliteratively, but I want our offensive line to do the same. Um, I, I, Baylor's given up 140 yards rushing. Let's go ahead and get every one of those 140 yards and then some. Like let's 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 establish the run. Let's let Sam run where he needs to. Let's let both of our star running backs go. If if Whittington is healthy enough, you don't have to worry about a red shirt. Now let's get him out there and blood him a little and see if his electric speed can can break open a game. But I just really feel like there's some meat on that bone for this Texas team to get a game plan similar to the Kansas State one that really worked to a plum. I think the matchup that that all hinges on is the Texas offensive line and, and uh, James Lynch, who's kind of just a load in the middle at, at defensive tackle. He's really adept at, at creating chaos in the backfield. He's accounted for a 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks on the year. So like that, that's a guy that whether it's Angilau who's coming back uh, eight days after a grade two MCL sprain, or if it's Parker Braun, who, if he does one thing really well, it's run block. That's all he did at Georgia tech. So whoever matches up with him, I think has, is going to have their hands full. And so I really, if I see a, a, quarterback power in any situation <laughs> i my my bourbon budget is going to double for the weekend and and i just i don't know what else to do about that like it's it's so it's frustrating it's infuriating so i i take advantage of the fact that get, getting a guy out in space is is the best thing that they'll be able to do on this defense do not attack the center of this defense attack the edges and i think you'll probably have a better result on the ground yeah, I, I really like that, Jill. Just a quick aside, do you have a bourbon that you're keeping on hand? I'll tell you what I have ready to drink for this game. We, we This could be a new segment for us if we so deem it, but uh, but I, I'll start it. I'll tell you, I have I have a Michter's ready to go. I was going to go to this game, and I haven't ruled it out, but if I'm at home, I have a Michter's ready to go. It's it's uh, It's been calling my name, and like I said, my uh, my wife is a Baylor, Baylor alum, and, 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 and we'll drink whiskey with me which is why she's wonderful um so we may have uh, a mixers open to calm both of our nerves there this one do you have a you have a bourbon ready to go i don't so i'm gonna be in san antonio for this one uh and my sister's a baylor alum so it could be an interesting uh could be an interesting saturday afternoon in the goodrich household but on the plus side i'll at least get to to eat some good mexican food even if uh, this game goes sideways on us. Uh, so a quick injury update. We've talked about a couple of them. Uh, Anthony Cook, doubtful, basically dealing with the same thing Colin Johnson dealt with early in the season. Uh, one of my favorite moments of the week of a really dour press conference from a Tom Herman who's clearly dealing with some self-doubt he's never dealt with before uh, was him trying to figure out how to uh, do it, pronounce Anthony Cook's injuries. It was one of those incredible moments where he's like, I, I, <laughs> just his eyes went wide and you could tell he didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Colin Johnson, doubtful. Uh, Junior Angulao is going to be back uh, or should be back. He's practicing this week. He's already back. So uh, it could be an interesting look on, uh, on Saturday. But this is the time, Kyle. Let's go ahead and make our predictions. Let's fire Smokey. So what are you firing Smokey on this week? Easiest prediction of the season. Obviously, this game, um, even though it won't go his way, uh, will be the last time Texas gets to face Matt Rule because he will be the coach of the Houston Texas while Lincoln Riley is the coach of the Dallas Cowboys next year. I'm kidding. I wish that was true. I hope that's true. Guys, if you're listening, uh, Houston Texans, I know you listen to this, the whole team, just you know, go ahead and sign Matt Rule up. I, As a, someone who lives in Houston and needs a good NFL coach, wouldn't hate that. But anyways... My actual uh, Smokey that I'm banging this week is I think I think there's a chip 
to be found on some shoulder. Uh, not an especially tall shoulder, but a guy who likes to play Baylor, who had an original link to Baylor, who came to Texas only because, uh, well, we won't get into the history. Everyone listening to this podcast knows Baylor's past, but he was released from a scholarship and ended up playing at UT. That's Devin Duvernay coming off yet another consecutive 100-yard game. He was left off of the Bolitnikoff Award semifinalist, which Tom Herman correctly described as shocking. And it is it is true. This is the guy, remember, who's leading the Power Five in catches, leading the country in broken tackles, leading the country in third-down receptions. That was a quote from Tom Herman. It's true. 87 catches. He's caught 21 third downs. He is a guy who Sam Ellinger lives and dies by at this point. As Colin Johnson's been hurt, he has been the most reliable part of this team, bar none, offense, defense, or otherwise. And because he has the extra Baylor chip on his shoulder, because, you know, little little uh, bulletin board material, I'm sure, uh, they're probably reminding him that he doesn't get the respect he deserves. I am saying that Duvernay goes for... Uh, since he just gets 100 yards, and that's not even a question, I'm going to up it and say at least 130 yards. I'll put it a safe number, and at least one touchdown. So 130 and a touchdown minimum. You know what, Gerald? I, I, I like bold predictions. Live boldly. 150 and a touchdown from Devin the Duve in the victory that he provides for the Longhorns. That was 150 touchdown, and you heard Kyle guaranteeing a win. So uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to fire Smokey on, uh, on a defensive playmaker. So I mentioned him uh, earlier in the, the, the episode or this podcast or this discussion or whatever. Uh, It's not, I'm not a good host of podcasting, but I think Texas is going to turn over Charlie Brewer. I was watching post game of Baylor and Brewer looked a little shook. After that interception. And I just think that they may be in his head. He may be inside his own head on, on Saturday. And so I think, I think the man I mentioned earlier, Deshaun Jameson is probably going to have another interception against Charlie Brewer. And that's like a kind of a lame prediction, but what I'm going to add is I think he's going to take it to the house. Ooh, I'm going real specific this week. I think Deshaun Jameson houses one this week specifically on defense I will also take credit if he returns a kick for a touchdown but I think it's going to be a pick six I'm loving I said live boldly and you carpeted that dm that's that's fantastic I don't want to talk about last week because that isn't important on how your pick did then but I do want to point out I picked out there would be a non-Colin Johnson non-Devin DuVernay receiver performance so I'm feeling pretty good after Eagles made me uh made me a a a soothsayer last week um so I'm, I'm feeling like i got the receivers on lock but i am i am impressed with your 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 temerity here gerald and i cannot wait for you to come toot your own horn honk honk beep beep toot toot next week uh when you when you nail this one on the head you looked good this week because you stopped making bad special teams predictions Kyle. <laughs> uh you predicted that the worst punt unit in the entire country would turn it around and that's just that's just not that's not what smart people do Kyle they don't predict that the worst unit is going to be the differentiator which is not what I did on this one so Texas squaring off against Baylor on Saturday it's an early kick I say early it's the afternoon slot that 230 slot 
in Waco. So check it out uh, wherever you like to watch it, whatever streaming service you use, because that's all there is nowadays. All right. Now that brings us to your favorite segment, probably someone in your family, mother, grandmother's favorite segment, everyone's favorite segment. Burn Orange Lens is where we take a look at the greater landscape of sports with a burnt orange tinged glass. Uh, so let's let's jump right into the rest of college football. Um, obviously, this past week, LSU won uh, over Ole Miss. I think it was 58 to 37 in that one and has a very, very firm grip on the number one spot in both polls out of 62 AP first place uh, votes. They have 54 of those and out of 65 coaches first place votes they have 55 of those so one of the three unbeatens with ohio state and clemson being the other two it's very clear that the people who get to vote on these things think that lsu is the absolute best of the bunch and i think that bears itself out in a lot of what they're doing on the field uh they obviously beat alabama who everybody is going to even try to get in the playoff still without Tua Tagovailoa, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, but the the fact that they are just putting up ridiculous numbers with the with the athletes that they have uh, just makes me jealous. Continue, continue to be jealous. Yeah, and and even though um, Clemson only has South Carolina remaining on their schedule in a, in a bye week, um, it does seem like LSU has maybe the easiest schedule. Um, remaining in the country playing maybe the worst team and and coachless rudderless Arkansas Uh, maybe they'll be inspired but and then a little you know team called Texas A&M that I hope the line opens at like 30 um, because they got some revenge for about seven overtimes worth of ridiculous from last year so they should absolutely coast on through but Ohio State's the interesting one with number nine Penn State number 15 Michigan still to go but you referenced it Gerald Tua Man, really sad thing. Alabama got a win this week, but I don't know that it's it's a it's a a pyrrhic win if there ever was one. Um, just a really sad thing seeing Tua get an injury, and as the the reports came out and called it the the Bo Jackson injury and in, in the hip that ended his career, got a little bit frightening. So I mean, just from a standpoint of of respecting guys who are good at their craft, and we like watching elite athletes play. It's 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 a a damning thing and it's just a really sad thing for a guy who had a lot of promise and still hasn't been ruled that far but does look to be out for the season at the least and so I think because of that if you just from a tactical standpoint we talked about LSU that probably hands Joe Burrow the Heisman unless anything crazy happens but uh yeah just remind you that that these are humans out there these aren't video games these are real life dudes um it seems like Alabama is just grown in a lab but they're still humans made of flesh and bone uh and uh it's it's sad nonetheless of how you feel about the the crimson tide and their dominance it's sad for Tua uh, and his family Bo Jackson lost blood flow to that hip he had some necrosis happening there uh, with some cells so that's a differentiator there's also been like 30 years of medical advancements between Mm. then and now and I I don't think it's as bad on the uh, as Bo Jackson's was I think uh, that's the that's the nature of the the Twitter world that we live in is that everybody has a as a expert opinion about everything and uh, we all realize that we're all doctors but it's it's super sad to see it I mean I think Joe Burrow had already won the Heisman uh, in the game against Alabama, but uh, but I think it kind of just guarantees that nothing weird happens. Uh, they could do that weird thing where, like, the last three weeks of the year, Jalen Hurts has some okay games, and then they give it to the guy from OU like they did last year for Kyler Murray. Well, let's hope nothing crazy happens. And speaking of nothing crazy happening, 
I'm starting to worry a little bit, Gerald, about the the bowls for Mac. Um, sounds that when I say bowls for Mac, that actually sounds like a uh, what was the the not Farm Aid, but the 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 Hunger concerts of the '90s. Uh, it's like you know you get all the all the uh, we are the world together up on stage to uh, to feed the feed the children of the world. Bowls for Mac said uh, said Bono. But anyways, um, Mac Brown looking looking a little tough right here loses. Another, stop me if you've heard me say this before, heartbreaking loss, lost in overtime uh, this past week, uh, 34-27. It is it is really, 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 really tough for a person, for uh, two people on this podcast who love Mac Brown and, and are wanting nothing but good for him. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to watch him so close and not be able to get over the hump. I really want it for these seniors, guys that stuck around, guys that, that didn't grad transfer, guys that, I mean, granted, they've won 400% more games than they did last year, but getting these guys to get and go to a bowl and getting an extra 15 practices uh, with guys is a big, big deal as you're trying to build a program. So that bowl is not just uh, for the experience for those those senior guys that need it, but also for the younger guys to get them up to speed quicker. Yeah, and I mean, it's a pit team that pushed a top 10, 10 state team. This is a good North Carolina team, honestly, of four wins. Don't really say that, but uh, they they remember almost they are the closest team to beat Clemson this year. They're a point or a conversion away from that, so it's it's a tough. An, we call that an Aggie natty. <laughs> that's that's right. It'll be on the stadium, but uh, there 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 were some other uh, some other UT tangentially college football uh, wins and losses actually this week. Uh, Louisiana Tech lost their first game outside of their, their loss at the beginning of the season to Austin falling 31, uh, to 10 to Marshall and falling out of the rankings. That was a nice win on UT schedule. If we're talking about the Aggie theory of relativity that occasionally we're forced to do as Longhorn fans, not as violently or, or with as much, uh, full throat, but uh, that did look good that, that, that UT had beaten um, a, a ranked team, uh, but they did fall out of the rankings with their loss. They should still win that conference handily and could still get back in. They're still in others receiving votes. Also, uh, SMU, the other team we like to talk about here, had a bye. Um, but they take on this week number 23 Navy, fresh off a shellacking 52-20 to loss to Notre Dame. So uh, this is this is another great game that's fun to watch SMU. Um, it would be very different styles. Navy will probably throw the ball five times. Bouchelle will probably have five incompletions. So it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch contrasting styles in this one. The other, the other big news looking at back at UT's schedule, Rice football. We love Rice here on this this podcast. Got their first win of the season, 31-28 over Middle Tennessee. And uh, I just did a little searching on some guys who transferred out. Uh, Texas State did get beat this week, but I was looking at former UT kicker Josh Rowland. It looks like he's 11 for 15 on the season, 22 for 22 from the extra points. So they are not losing. And, in fact, he had a game-winning walk-off earlier in the season that we talked about on this podcast, they're not losing for want of a, a good kicker. So uh, again, we will support Longhorns wherever they go and finish out their careers. You're always part of the family. And that applies to the guys who are playing on Sundays. We're all real excited for Jordan Hicks. He crossed hundred tackles for the first time in his career. Um, having a really good year for the, uh, for the Cardinals also. Um, had an interception last week, I believe. He's had multiple, which is actually uh, super interesting. And I think we we let's go north of the border. Let's let's do that too, Kyle. I think that's uh, a big um, 
a big a big thing to talk about. A guy that I like, Jackson Jeffcoat. Uh, it's not just the NFL; it's the CFL. Kyle, it's the CFL. Uh, he's going to play for the Grey Cup, which is effectively uh, the Super Bowl for the uh, for the CFL. They have its name has actually been played like I think 109 times, which is cool. But he's part of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're going to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the Grey Cup. I mean, that's actually really awesome. I'm I love Jackson Jeffcoat, even if you know I did have some thoughts about him at a certain Texas OU game. I think he uh, he's a great player who I, I've followed on social media since he was in college. And so I've been kind of watching the journey uh, up there and it's been a tough one. So for that to pay off for him to get uh, to the pinnacle of the CFL, let's just hope there's some, what is it? Rouge related, uh, related kick that really settles this one. Cause the CFL is kind of wild y'all. You should, you should definitely tune in for that. Yeah. The, the, the final one that we'll close on here. Uh, I do want to bring it, uh, bring it back into the States. Jackson Hayes, our, our, you know, star, rookie is uh is coming into his own in the nba all the hype uh obviously going to zion in new orleans as the the lauded rookie but jackson uh got his first start of his career against the uh warriors you heard of them also posted his first career triple double or excuse i'm sorry double double um 10 points and rebounds he did have three blocks 10 would have been impressive um but really excited for jackson who's uh who's putting together some good games here and starting to look like they drafted two, uh, two really impressive rookies. I'm liking seeing a guy perform in the NBA that actually was able to perform on campus. Cause I feel like player NBA players get significantly better after they leave the university of Texas. So Jackson Hayes is a guy who, uh, who was good at Texas and is now showing out in the NBA, but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can find me on twitter at kyle carbon you can follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i am at gh goaders follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com you can also check me out on my other podcast two woke nerds with our good friend raymond summerlin talking all sorts of nerd stuff we're going to talk the mandalorian this week and we'll also do our bi-weekly watchman check-in that show is weird and you should be watching it because it's actually incredible thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook them hook them go get them devin the doof.